Welcome everyone to the Brown and Black Podcast. My name is Jack Rico, he's Mike Sargent. And I'm black and he's brown. This is the Brown and Black Podcast. Thank you uh, for downloading and streaming the very first episode of what Mike Sargent and I have been trying to accomplish. Man, Mike, for like six, seven months? I was going to say, you're being generous. It's definitely a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, I am glad we are because uh, we never anticipated that we'd be starting a show that where we got to talk about race, culture, entertainment, politics, and, and just the impact of what it is to be brown and black, our contributions, and then what is being ignored, and, and all the issues that we face being in the society in this time, in this corona and what will be the post-corona time, which is a new world. We really get a chance to do things and talk about things nobody's going to be talking about yet. Absolutely. Uh, I can talk from experience, which I will in just a few. But, uh, you know, for those of you that are also tuning in that might have known me from the Highly Relevant podcast, Mike, you've been like on my podcast for about a year or so yeah. where it was just like a guest thing. But then the conversations were so good <sighs> that we just kept on repeating. And then I think at some point someone said to me, um, hey, so. Is the highly relevant podcast with you and Mike? Like, because he's always on. <laughs> and it, it wasn't until they said it like that that I went, you know, you're right. Why don't I should just like stop doing highly relevant and just do a show with Mike? And uh, and that would be popping, you know? So uh, here, here we are talking about race and culture, which is what we usually do in our conversations, you know. Uh, off mic and just socially when we talk to each other on the phone somehow they all sound like podcast episodes <laughs> <laughs> yes they do well you know and then i hope that's i hope people listening enjoy it as much as we do because what, what i enjoy about my relationship with you and and when we discuss things is you come from a place and you have experiences that i may or may not understand or i you can always give me insight i didn't understand have prior whether it's your experience as a journalist or more specifically your experience as a brown journalist i'm in a different end of the spectrum not only as a black person but as someone who came into journalism from a, a little bit of a different door but we're in media and we're talking about media and we're talking about our impact in media and the impact of media on brown and black culture I would say that the American conversation is a conversation that's usually about race. Yes. In some way or another, it's impacted every corner of conversation. Uh, if you're not being inclusive, if you're not being diverse, you know, with the team that you have, everything seems to be in your movies. How come that person is in a Latinx and like, what's going on? There's protests about everything and, and no one, we feel like, the major institutions aren't really covering it. You know who's covering it? People just gabbing and tweeting about it. And someone should write articles about it, but not just the few, but a lot of them. That is our conversation. And Mike and I have always felt like, you know what? It should be very specific what we say. We just feel that there aren't enough black critics, black reporters, black journalists, Latin, the same, women. And when you look at that in these major news institutions, man, Mike... 
we're we're invisible. You know, I'm going to break it down to you even further because, you know, there's no way to talk about what's going on without getting a little bit heavy. And we're talking about from an entertainment perspective. But I do want to say this. Black and brown people are going to be heavily affected by this. Okay. Heavily affected. And what you talked about before that the conversation is in some ways always about race. And I would add to that race and class. And, and there is a ruling class. It's not just the majority that we worry about here because there are definitely states where the majority is not white, but we're talking about the ruling class, the ruling class of this country, the rich, the white, the wealthy. Those are the people who benefit in, in times of progress and prosperity, and they're also the ones who benefit in a time like this. So my question, and one of the things I want to talk about with you ongoingly here is, how will we be affected? How will racism still rear its head in the world we're entering? And does this level the playing field in certain ways, in terms of media, in terms of representation? Where, where were we headed before this? Okay, we were beginning to see things like we've talked about, like power and shows that were showing our lives together and the power of that. But now where are we headed? What, what, what are we going to... Everybody's distracted now by watching TV and movies it's and binge-watching. It's what it is. It's a distraction. It, it is. But, but A, what is that distraction saying? And what are we going to be telling ourselves and what are we going to be listening to in the future? Yeah, no, and um, I feel that... This podcast, you know, is that's going to be the theme. We feel that we shouldn't go all into it now because this coronavirus really has been appending the lives of so many people. I'm into my third week quarantine, Mike. I'm not sure if you've done it a little longer or not. Uh, I'm upstate New York. You're in the eye of the storm. Yes, I am. <laughs> How have things been like for you uh, in New York where it seems like another 9-11, but this time it's a virus. I have to contextualize it to say that, you know, I'm a big science fiction fan, so, you know, to me, yes, life has always been like science fiction. We're just living in a, a specific genre movie right now. Um, <laughs> uh, there are a lot of odd things that are happening here in the city. There are a lot of things that, that are scary that are happening here in the city. There are a lot of things... You know, like any society, there are things that are fighting to be the same. I, I've heard from friends out of state that, you know, New York, Manhattan specifically, we're still like the delivery capital of the world where lots of places can't get a delivery. And in Manhattan, you can. But that's not completely true. If you live in a, let's just say, a fairly wealthy neighborhood, it's very hard to get a delivery. If you live in Midtown, very, you can't get Fresh Direct or, or Whole Foods or Amazon Prime or, 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 Fre or, you know, any of them to get to you. So that's an interesting thing. The other thing is it's a ghost town. I expect to go outside and see Will Smith and a dog because it looks like I am legend here <laughs> in New York City. It really... Or like that opening scene in Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise. Exactly, exactly. A Times Square completely shut down. It's interesting. I mean, everybody's reading the news, so everybody knows that scenario. Living it is interesting. I have not been out of my apartment other than, you know, to get the mail and take out the garbage in, in uh, over two weeks now. But so I've you been... haven't seen the sun, man. Well, I've seen, I've looked out my window, okay? <laughs> I have I have a window on the world, okay? <laughs> I could just see you looking, you know, out the window, uh, reading poetry. Like <laughs> well, honestly, the, the weird thing that has happened to me here in New York, and I'll be very brief about it, is two pigeons decided to lay uh, an egg on the air conditioning out my window. Oh. And 
And so they were taking turns, I've learned, this is what pigeons do, they were taking turns sitting on the egg. And they were doing mm-hmm. this for like, oh, like 10 days. And then all of a, wow. s- all of a sudden, one, and now in my <laughs> court, cor- yeah, yeah, believe me, and my courtyard is always filled with pigeons. So since I, I've, I've lived here, tons of pigeons all the time. One day, and this is just like a day or so ago, the birds never came back. They left the egg. All of the birds are gone. What? All the birds are leaving New York City. <gasps> it's a really weird phenomenon. Well, wait a minute, but I don't yeah. understand that if uh, well, the, no, the, the food the source. Coronavirus. I, I have to assume oh, it's the a, lack of, a lack of food. So I have to assume that. But again, I've lived to where I live for a very long time. I've never, not, it took me a day to realize there are no birds. Now, most people, this won't even, by the time this airs, probably people will have heard about this. But yeah. right now, nobody's outside. And anybody that is outside, they're, they're kind of mask on, head down, going about their business. So it's, it's an interesting time. We're all isolated in a very different way. But, but how are you feeling like, like, what's your mindset right now? Have you gone through, uh, you know, have you gotten cabin fever at any point? Do you feel claustrophobic? Do you feel like you can't move around? And, and just the dread of all of that, the anxiety of how many people are dying, you know, the, the 28 days later, man. Uh, honestly, um, no. I, I, I'll be honest. For me, this is like, you know, I guess I kind of live the quarantine lifestyle because I work from home. And yeah, so cr- a lot of creatives yeah. tell me the same exact thing. He's like, dude, I've been in self-isolation <laughs> for years, exactly. for decades. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to movies and events and stuff right now, but, you know, I get links. So that's not so bad. I'm probably going to start going out on my bike soon because I, I do want to get out and move in the open air. But, again, you got to dress like I, I want to get one of those suits that uh, – Like a hazmat suit or well, something. No, no, listen, I have a hazmat suit. No, but, I mean, I, I want <laughs> – Really? Dude, I'm I'm ready for the uh, apocalypse. Wow, you're serious. <laughs> They're not gonna catch me. Not ready. Shoot. I saw this movie. I know how it goes. Anyway, I want the suit oh, that what's his name had in Contagion. Um, oh, I, I just recently saw. Dude, I saw that movie and Outbreak. You know, like like the, yeah, the I complete did. I, stereotype I, yes, cliche I of what to do during the virus and why. Do we do that? Is it to learn something? Is it to feel that, that something relates to my experience? I don't know. I, I don't know. have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. Uh, well, all I'll say is, yeah, both those movies I think are required viewing because the reason I love science fiction is that science fiction, like uh, like comedy, is is a way of looking at the human condition without you maybe you know, without it being in your face. So it's always taught, a good science fiction is always talking about the human condition. So contagions just show like, what will humans do? How will people react? Only Michael Crichton and Stephen King could have written as a combo the kind of world we're living in now. Oh, listen, by the way, I think people have been writing about the coronavirus Absolutely. for several years already, and here's what I'm saying. I'm not sure if you heard about that viral video that's been circulating around about an old Netflix movie from South Korea, I believe it was. If not, but it's an Asian film where 2018, it was on Netflix, this guy recorded it because he couldn't believe, because he had it on sub subtitles. And essentially, they were talking about a virus that had invaded their city, and it was called the coronavirus, okay? Interesting. And they talked about, they described it, bro, it was exactly 
what we have. And the way they framed it, it was that it was a man-made experiment gone wrong. And how they've been using this coronavirus as a weapon for pharmaceutical companies to get everyone sick. So then they can come up with the vaccine to be able to then make billions on that vaccine. So I've also heard that this whole coronavirus was created in a lab in in, in China. I think one day we will find out exactly where this all came from. And it would not surprise me where it came from, whether it was China, whether it was Russia, whether it was America. Let's say, say the people who stand to gain the most would be the people who would create it, who, whoever that is on the world stage. So uh, I, that would not surprise me. Again, I, I watch a lot of science fiction movies, so I see human beings as all the same. But I also think that this is not that far of a stretch. I mean, you know, corona was a type of virus. Not This is not the only coronavirus. And it's called that because of the shape of the molecule. Corona, as you know, is crown. So I say all that to say that I think we will eventually find out. There's a lot, like you said, and, and, and this is clearly we could do a whole podcast on, but after this is over and solved, mm-hmm. the vaccine, like what will our new life be like as a result of that? Will everybody have to get a vaccine? Will it be mandatory? Will they make you do it? And then if you don't, you can't travel, you can't get a job, you, do, you can't do things? Well, you know what they've been doing in Italy though, right? The, like a health scan before you go somewhere. Yeah, well, they're, they're thinking about the people that have been able to survive the coronavirus, they're being allowed to go back to work because they feel that they've built some sort of immune system to it, that they're no longer carriers and they can no longer contract it. So I thought that was really interesting. And then they were going to do some sort of CASTA system here in the United States where they would categorize you by the type of experience you have with coronavirus you know the better you are you can now go out but if you are still carrying or something then you're quarantined for a while well you know it's interesting in china they have a thing where you have to be screened saying that you you don't have it or you've gotten over it and you either have a green or you don't and if you have the green screen you can go anywhere you want. If you don't, you can't go into public areas. You can't You can't do it. So a way to identify those who have had it and those who haven't is what worries me and, and what the control device will be. And two, who will profit from the quote-unquote vaccine? I mean, you know, they're, they're looking oh, for... We know the, we know the, the answer to that Well, question. but But here's what I'm saying. We're looking for a chemical cure for something that potentially... And if you've talked to anybody who knows natural medicine, and I've had conversations with a number of people, the cures or, or the treatments, as it were, are, are available in natural medicine. There are things that you can do to build your immune system and a whole lot of things. But again, sure, if you're a vitamin company, you'll make money. But that's not the billion-dollar pharmaceutical industry and the power that that is. So. Yep. We've allowed our civil rights to be taken away, told we can't go, told we can't go anywhere because, okay, we agree. This is a good reason to take away our civil liberties. But you have to think about that sentence. Listen, you think Trump wants to be in this situation? I mean, this is the biggest capitalist who's probably ever lived. And this guy only cares about him and his money. 
Look how he's handled this whole thing. Sure, and sure. I'm sure that this guy wants the economy to go back in, but at what cost? At human cost. How many cost. people have to die in order for the economy to start again? And that's what a lot of people don't know. Like that governor in Arkansas, did you hear him? Yes, he, I did. Like just had the revelation the other day that this was a serious thing. <laughs> listen, listen, the people, the ruling class that we were talking about, they have already made their decision. There's an acceptable human cost to preserve the economy and not so much to preserve the economy, but to preserve their position in the economy. Okay. The status. I mean, where we're headed now, if all these small businesses have to go down, Wally will become a movie that is like a prophecy. I've been talking about that for a while now, dude. That's where we're headed to. Prophecy. Prophecy. (laughs) Wally is prophecy. Okay, so. Man, those guys at Pixar, man. They totally knew. Totally knew. The other thing I do want to say, and what's interesting is I'm amazed at how much people want to hold on to their petty differences and and selfishness and hatreds and and racism in this time. In the time that in those science fiction movies, you you often, when it happens, the aliens land or the whatever, whatever, all of a sudden people come together. I've been really disappointed, not only in the stupidity of people, but I've been disappointed just to see how many people there still are that just, they don't get that we're all human and we can all die. People who try to weaponize their disease, you know, you've heard about the white supremacists, you know, doing that, you know, that whole concept. I don't know if you read about what's happening with Zoom. Everybody's doing Zoom now. Did you read the article about the Zoom bombing, the Zoom hacking? Where yeah. people are hacking into Zoom and saying racist things, show, oh, showing, no. yes, hacking into oh, Zoom. Oh, I thought you meant you meant you know like um, no. I thought you meant Zoom bombing. So when I read the headline, mm-hmm. Zoom uh, Zoom bombing, I thought it was the way you photo bomb as well. But they just replaced photo with Zoom, and it was like, for example, Peyton Manning Zoom bombed a class uh, in Tennessee. Right. Uh, and then he, everybody went, you know, ape shit. Because he just kind of showed up out of nowhere. This is Icon. And I thought that's what you meant. But I didn't know that they were hacking no, in and saying all they're, these They're doing racist, racist things, things. Racist things. Uh, wow. uh, anti-Semitic things. Why? Hacking into children's uh, schools with por- things, pornographic images for children. No. Dude, yes. This is what I'm saying. I'm disappointed in humanity. Bro, I've been disappointed in humanity for a very long time already, man. So I'm just saying the weaponization of Zoom has already begun. And just like everything else in our lives, we have to protect ourselves or be conscious now that there are those who get great pleasure in just spreading. Seeing other people suffer. Exactly. I wanted to ask you how your job as a critic has been impacted by this whole thing. Uh, I know that you go to Fox Business News quite often to talk to Maria Bartiromo about movies, but now you can't go to the movies. Uh, now, are, are they still bringing you in? Are you? How's that functioning? How's that side of your life and your career functioning during this whole time period? Well, you know, it's interesting because it's been a month now since I've done uh, Fox Business News. I did do the the PBS thing, Talking Pictures, and I did that via Zoom. And I think that that's, I'll give you a tidbit, which I think is interesting to this. So what's happened is now, I think that when, as 
TV scrambling and everybody's shooting from their homes and they're having to bring people in via Zoom or Skype or whatever, I think eventually people will reach out and ask if you can appear via Skype. I mean, because I've done stuff for Al Jazeera and, and other international networks around the world. See, but the international networks, they embrace that. America really doesn't. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. They always have. So I think that that's what's going to happen. But what's interesting is... And I would never have thought about this or noticed this, except somebody asked me for a recommendation. There's someone, they're a performer, they're a comedian, they wanted to know, hey, you know, they want to get a setup, they're going to start performing from home. And they were like, do you think I should get this portable, collapsible backdrop thing? And I was like, no, just, just get a seamless stand and get some seamless. And they were like, yeah, but everything's back ordered." And I'm like, what are you talking about? Go online, Jack. Every place that sells seamless is back ordered. You order now, you'll get it in in May or June. Okay. Wait, you talking about seamless? The seamless? Food app? No, I'm talking about seamless paper. Seamless, the paper that you have in the background when you went in a photography studio. That giant roll oh, of paper. That giant no, roll I didn't of paper. Know that, that was what it was called. That's what it's called. It's called seamless. Oh, okay. And seamless. if you if and you just put it in anywhere. You're looking for it. Everybody's sold out, or they, if they have it, it's very limited colors because everybody and their mother is, in some way, broadcasting from home. Think about Mike. All, Mike, all, yes. The, the, same thing's going on with the gym industry. So I went. So they closed off all the gyms, and I was watching this YouTube video of this one dude who was working out, and he had some really cool like gym gear, and I was like, "Yo, what is this?" Find out it's something called Bowflex. So I said, I've heard of Bowflex. So then I went to just buy some dumbbells since you're quarantined and you can't go to a gym. And I've been doing body weight work and resistance bands work for about three weeks. Okay. And by the way, shit works, man. Like okay. you, it, it pumps you up. It makes you feel amazing. It shapes your body in a non weightlifting weight. And um, I went online, dude, Everything is out of stock. Wow. Yeah. Everyone okay. decided to create their the own home, gym, home gym. The home gym. So wow. home gyms is the new thing. Dude, listen. Okay. Media. All right. My dad. My dad had an old giant. Uh, uh, must have been a 75 inch projection TV. It's gigantic. It's It stretches like four feet back. Finally died. And I was like, dad, you just need to get yourself a big TV. They're pretty cheap now. So I went online. I see these things all the time. I get ads for them all the time. Do you know, I put it in the cart, called my dad, and I start to talk to him. It was sold out while I was in the cart. And then all these places, I would pull stuff and I would go back. It was sold out, sold out, sold out. Now, they're getting more, but trust me, you looked for a period of about a week or two, all big screen TVs, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Wow. Interesting, because now people are going to be watching. You know, okay, so exactly. the television industry thinks that this is them. You know, you hear all the presidents of sales and advertising. They're like, well, you know, we're back. Uh, you know, we're claiming our turf again as the king of media. And uh, we just want to let you know, all your streamers and cable guys, that uh, you better be careful because we're going to be taking your money too. It's an illusion, Mike. Mm -hmm. Everybody's buying this stuff. And then as soon as we go back to normal... I happen to think that no one's going to be watching as much TV anymore. Well, I, I would disagree with you. I disagree with you. Really? Here, I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. I think we're going to evolve. I don't think you say everything's back to normal. Forget that. There's no back to normal. What you knew as normal is over forever. 
forever. You will never see that. You will never see what we saw in life. This, the best example I could give of that is you're old enough to remember when you could get on an airplane, you did not have to go to security track. You did not have to take your shoes off. You did not have to take your belt off. You did not have to go through all this crap just to get on a plane. You could just get on a plane. Okay. Now, of course, you had to go have your passport and all of that, but it was a, a much smoother, easier process. And if you had told me 20 years ago that, oh, people are going to have to wait on long lines, you have to get there super early, you have to do that, you take the shoes off, and I said, nobody will, nobody will be flying. Nobody will put up with that. Right. But guess what? Okay. If you look at an old movie, you probably heard me say this before, you look at an old movie, Airport classic disaster movie from like 1970. Oh, I, 1974 or 77, right. I saw it. No, no, well, there's, there's three or four of them, but the first one yeah, was like yeah. 1972 or something. Yeah, Dean Martin. Yeah, I saw that one. Right, yeah, it's classic. Now, they had a smoking section in planes back then. Yeah. Now, that seems like science fiction. So I say all that to say that that life as we knew it will be over. I think we're evolving into more of a stay-at-home culture because here's the deal. If a company realizes they can get the work done and they can get their employees to be on a computer, uh, 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 all the companies that have their employees now working from home remotely, and nope, nope, and, nope. and and you don't have to listen it's to me. It's a cultural thing. It's a cultural I'm thing. I'm telling you. You can't shake conditioning. I we will be seeing if I am a Profit or a crackpot, okay? Because I'm either a crackpot or a profit, all right? We'll find out, okay? But I here's my prediction. My prediction is that we will be evolving into a culture where they're going to realize things can be done remotely. They can pay you less, okay? You don't have to travel. You don't have to worry about that. Why do I rent an office for 300 people when I can rent an office for 30 people and have 270 people remote? Okay, all okay. right. Now you're talking yes. it's a money thing Of course there. it is. Of course it is. The economy's got to come back. How's it going to come back if it has okay, the same expenses? Why haven't companies been doing that as a budgetary measure to try and, instead of laying people off, it's like, guys... Do you want to be out of work or do you want to work from home? Because we got to let this place go because the lease is too expensive. For the same reason you said earlier, because that's not the way we are. That's not the way we're used to. That's not what we're used to. It's a different, it's, we were not used to that. Now we are getting used to things we never would. Just like I said, you got used to having to take your shoes off and go through all this check and lift your arms and all this crap to get on a plane. We never had to do that before. No, I'm going to say in the future, you'll probably have to take some sort of a health screen before you can get on a plane. Okay, uh, and, I, and I'm sure they won't even be that great. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So all of that being said, I, I think that we're going to be completely changing in, in a number of ways as a culture. And I think stay at home TVs, people being at home all the time. I think that's going to become a thing. I think other things will rise. What do you think will stay? When we come back to quote unquote normal, I think a few things will stay. I think that, first of all, how many people do you think will continue to order online when they realize they don't have to worry about parking, gas, this, that, the other thing? How many people do you think will start to do that? How many people do you think will realize, hey, okay, I've got all these streaming services I paid all this money for. I'm not going to go to the movie theater. Why should I? Okay. It's going to be even harder. So I think there are a lot of businesses that are going to shift, a lot of things that are going to change. If you watch a movie right now on TV, okay, right now, okay, and you see people hug or you see a crowd, there's a part of you that goes, wow, ooh, can't really do that. Yeah. You're already conditioned. So I think we will be conditioned to, to act differently as a result of this.
have you picked up any other interesting habits that you didn't know about yourself during this whole stay? I am definitely home a lot more than I was. So it has forced me to get take care of stuff that I don't really have an excuse not to do. Like, you know, there's there's stuff I want to get rid of. I've actually I've been selling a lot of stuff on eBay. I'm getting rid of stuff. I'm looking at stuff. Do you feel you're busier now? Oh my god, than yes. you were before? So much more busier. It's like <laughs> what? What? How did that happen? Bro, I'm exhausted by the time I go to sleep. I, I, dude, I wake up like around seven and I go to sleep like at midnight. And then I'm so energized because I think I'm also eating better. You know, I switched to a plant based diet. Did you? Fully plant based. Fully plant based. Uh, and I cut out all sugar, all processed food. I've, I was weighing 192. I'm weighing 195 this morning. I lost nice. seven pounds. Nice. And, dude, I feel like really, when I say energetic, not that I'm like running and my stamina is like nonstop. It's more like I don't have those lulls in the middle of the day where I need to take a nap like I right, used to before. Right. I just feel like I'm on for 12 hours and I'm alert and aware and that's all diet. So my wife's been cooking at home, you know, I've decided to kind of cook and you know, I'm doing these oatmeal pancakes. I'm doing these like mango almond milkshakes, you know, with protein powder. And I've really changed my health habits. And that would never have happened at the pace that I had in New York City. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, when when you have to buy in bulk and you have to say, okay, I, when I, I'm not going to be doing that. Costco way. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, it does force you. Exactly. You're either going to get a bunch of crap or you're going to get a bunch of healthy stuff. And so I, I, in a similar fashion, I've kind of honed my diet down to some things. I'm making sure I have, you know, uh, luckily I live in Manhattan, so I can still get certain things, fresh, you know, produce. Regularly, I can, I can literally, I can, st- I, I can get, I can order toilet paper from the deli. Okay, I can still do that, uh, which I know That's a great. lot. Of, it's sort of amazing. It's sort of dude surreal. bodegas, man. Yeah, exactly. Bo- you can exactly. always the count bodega, on the bodega. Please, please. That's the last place <laughs> when when every grocery store was totally. Empty with toilet paper. I just went to the bodega. Oh, yeah, right? papi, que lo que tu quieres? Yeah, papel higiénico. Aquí tiene, papi. Aquí hay tres, cuatro right. patitas para tu familia. Dile a tus uh, amigos uh, que tenemos algo acá. Uh, was that you at working at the uh, deli? Because <laughs> that's where I am. And that's exactly Memories. how they sound. <laughs> Memories of my bodega days, man. I used to go buy juicy fruits and comic books. Well, Jack, I do want to say I, I'm, I'm enjoying being able to have this time to talk with you. You know, we're definitely going to get into more interesting, scary and entertaining and controversial conversation here on the show. Absolutely. But for now, I think we both felt that we needed to just talk a little bit about what's been going on. A little bit of a catharsis, you know, for me in particular, uh, since I haven't really been talking to as many people, I've just been hibernating a little bit of a hiatus kind of just very I've been very introspective and very reflective I've been reading a lot trying to make sense of the world at this very second so a lot of those opinions are going to be coming out through the next couple of episodes until we get back to normal and kind of still monitor race and entertainment when it ever rears its ugly head which it will because it's still there it's just dormant for now well I I would say two things 
just just to fight with you. Uh, <laughs> that one, I don't think it's ever going to go back to normal. I think it will become the new normal or the new abnormal, depending on how you want to look at it. I also think that racism is definitely not dormant. I think it's transforming before our very eyes. You know, I think there's a certain amount of xenophobia with China. One of the scariest things about the advent of instant messaging and email and all of that kinds of electronic communication always was that in anonymity, that you can hide behind an IP address and hide behind and you can now Zoom bomb or interrupt or hack all these disruptors, people who really just want, like you said, to make people suffer. That's mm-hmm. probably, I think, what we're going to have to be aware of in this time. There are those who would rather, let's just say, not see us thrive and survive collectively. Where we're headed, you have to wonder, okay, Who will be left and how will those who are left, how will they feel about the world? Listen, the world could get very ugly. I just found out recently that in Miami, they're boarding up all the commercial real estate areas because they're afraid that looting is about to begin. Exactly, exactly. So, So, yeah, there's a lot to talk about, man. Uh, And I'm glad, uh, Mike, that we got through the first episode. And obviously, we can continue for hours and hours and hours. So we can now parcel those into episodes. But next week, we're going to be talking about what's going on in our Hollywood industry, consumption habits that have changed. Will you go back to the movie theaters or will you be watching movies at home? And I'm sure, Mike, there's going to be plenty to talk about in the upcoming weeks. Absolutely. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jack Rico. He's Mike Sargent. And he is brown and I'm black. And this is the Brown and Black Podcast. See you next week. I hope that you have enjoyed this introduction and that it has given you some understanding of what this particular kind of music is all about. I know there's only been time to touch upon some of the highlights and some of the important points. I've had to leave out many details and a great many important ideas, but perhaps this has started you towards an interest in this music and has made you curious and ready to start listening to what is to me and many others a most important and fascinating part of music and life. I certainly hope. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.